Hello and welcome to the Erwin Mitchell podcast, here to keep you up to date with the legal and financial news that matters to you. My name is Jeremy Raj and I'm the national head of our residential property team. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by two fabulous guests. Uh, first up is Emma Cook, Policy and Information Manager of the National Trading Standards Estate and Letting Agency team which has always been a little bit of a mouthful, so I'm just going to call you Trading Standards during the, uh, the podcast. Um, you're joining us from beautiful Wales, um, where you have been working on the material information regulations for over three years. I think it's defined your life. Um, you told me earlier that you'd given us the regulations which dropped on the 30th, parts B and C dropped on the 30th of November as an early Christmas present. There will be some listeners out there that feel they've had better Christmas presents. And I know that uh, it has caused a certain amount of controversy. Um, and apparently your new nickname is Emeroids rather than just Emma Cook, but we're going to keep to Emma during the podcast. So guest number one, thank you very much for joining us, Emma. Guest number two, Kate Faulkner, OBE, um, who in the property world really needs no introduction, but I'm just going to mention a couple of things. Um, OBE, obviously, but also a proud recipient of a Lifetime Achievement Award at the League Modern Law Convincing Awards held in Liverpool a couple of weeks back. I know this because I was uh, the lucky person able to hand over the award to you and very well deserved it was to Kate. Um, amongst many other things, you are currently the managing director of property checklists. Um, and if listeners want to look at that, propertychecklists.co.uk, a really fabulous, useful resource. You're also the driving force behind the Home Buyers and Sellers Group which you've chaired for some time, which is a really fantastic organisation doing a lot of good work. Um, it might be useful, actually, Kate, if you just give us a quick rundown, because I think there are some misconceptions about the, the Home Buyers and Sellers Group, who it's funded by, that kind of thing. Do you want to uh, say hello and tell us a bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so the reason we set it up is that uh, I got really frustrated going to a lot of meetings with other people telling the industry how they should do things. Um, we get it in lettings and we certainly get it in home buying and selling. And I really felt it was important to have a group that actually put consumers front and centre. So um, that's why it was set up. Obviously, my background's which, so I have um, uh, that's what I do really care about and consumers first. Um, and the whole idea was, was that the problem we had was that nobody from lender to removal industry got together, in my view, often enough to talk about how we could improve the home buying and selling process. And the problem is, is that all the initiatives before have come from the government or people that genuinely have no idea about how buying and selling works. They want to Amazonize it, which you just can't do. You know, we are, don't sell toasters. We don't sell cars. It is really complicated. And I think 100% in the legal profession, we would certainly say it's not something that you can Amazonify. Uh, other brands are available. Um, it's it's interesting that you mentioned consumers. Um, just to say a little bit about our topic today, we're, we're talking about regulations that have really come from the Consumer Protection Regulations of 2008. 
um, uh, those were introduced. Um, Emma, you can you can step in here to cover everything from fridges to moving house. Um, it's a bit of an odd one, really, isn't it? Uh, yes, I mean it's it, it was basically brought in because the the predecessor, the the Property Misdescriptions Act, didn't actually cover the every aspect of property. Um, Absolutely. And so consequently, those... that's why it was repealed. Sure. And and the consumer protection regulations came in in 2008. We were chatting earlier. They were pretty much ignored for quite some time. Um, you've been working on them for three years, as I said, um, to make sure there's clarity, which is much needed. And a lot of commentators have said this is a fantastic thing. What is it you were trying to achieve with that? I think a lot of the the reasons why we we did what we've we've done is is to bring that clarity and consistency because there is no prescribed list in the CPRs the consumer protection from unfair trading regulations that actually helps agents uh, lettings as well as sales agents um as to well what is material information and the, the actual definition of material information is not really helpful either because yeah. it just says um, it's just information that a consumer needs in order to make the average consumer in order to make um, an informed transactional decision. And and they still sit and scratch their heads and say, but what does it mean? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the helpful Property Misdescriptions Act, even though it didn't cover everything, it did at least have 33 matters that people could refer to. I think we're going to come to the the precise changes that you brought yes. in. But if I can rewind slightly, Kate, why why do you think it's a good idea to collate more information up front? And what's it going to do for the conveyancing system? Sure. So I think there's two main reasons. Um, we have to accept um, that on average, once an offer has been accepted, 20 to 25 to 30% of sales fall through. That is just that just can't continue. And I know that there are some uh, fantastic legal companies and agents that will have five to 10% fall throughs. And that's fine. But because we have chains, we have to have everybody with five or 10% fall throughs. Um, and we know we're out of sync as well with, uh, with a lot of places in the rest of the world. So we have to do better. The second thing is it's taking too long to buy and sell. And I know there's lots of reasons for that, um, which are not necessarily the industry's doing. Um, it's all, all the other things they're having to do, but it means people are having to put their lives on hold for four to six months. And actually, that's quite a long time. A lot of things happened. Um, so I used to do part X and we used to do it for the retirement community and older people. And we used to lose people in between um, uh, people buying homes. And that kind of can't happen uh, either. And it contributes sure, to those part, X, part exchange for those that, yes. that aren't familiar. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, and one way, and I do stress this is one, this is part of a jigsaw of things that we're trying to, uh, we're going to be doing that will help, is that if you have all the information up front, then you have a much, much better um, idea of what you're buying. And therefore, there's less surprises, both for you and the seller. And I guess a couple of things, I, I'm still, I can't remember who I stole this from, but I thought it was a great analogy, is that somebody said that buying a home is like being given a recipe for your favourite food but only being given some of the ingredients. And as people don't move very often, they also haven't got a clue about how to do it. So the method, when you click on what your ingredients and the method, and we have to fix that. Um, I have to say, it's something I've done personally and professionally, and I know it makes a massive difference. So just sold mum's home a few years ago, 
um, three pr problems with the house. Firstly, um, we had a strip of land at the bottom of the garden that belonged to the council. Don't ask me why. Totally useless. And we used to pay them a little bit of money for that. You couldn't keep chickens and we were very much in suburbia. Um, and the loft, uh, you couldn't, although it had stairs, they weren't, didn't meet fire regs. So you couldn't go into, you couldn't have that as a bedroom. And I didn't let, my work to my agent, they didn't let anybody view that property unless they had confirmed that they were happy with all of those three things. And that's the massive difference that it can make. Sure. I mean, that that's an agent doing their job really well. And these sorts of wrinkles do come out. Is it not also the case, though, that, that for some people, certain elements of a property are material and important and for, for others, they're irrelevant? Yeah, I think that's true. But nobody's doing this properly at the moment. And if we've got an industry that has a set of information that they have to produce, and I think this is if you kind of step back from all of this and think of the bigger picture, if all agents have to know this information and give this information up front, what we can now do with my consumer hat on is now we can start having a much, much better conversation with consumers. So the important thing with this is what the next bit is, and I know Emma's as keen as I am on this, is a massive consumer education campaign. And not just with consumers, the big people we have to reach with this are the media. And this gives us, this allows us to start training buyers and sellers to understand you can't just go online, look at a property and go and visit it and fall in love. You cannot just um, go to an agent and get your property listed tomorrow. It gives us a good reason to do that. And secondly, because we haven't got regulation agents, I love this because the good agents will do it. And it's very black and white that they're the good agents and the bad agents won't bother. I, we all know that. I'd really like to bring you in um, so that so that we get a better idea of what you've actually brought in. Now, um, obviously, I've been I've been keeping up to date with this as far as I can. Your statement on the 30th of November was very helpful, but it would probably be good for our listeners if you could set out part A, uh, what came in uh, last year and what the recent announcement means, please. Yeah, that's fine. Absolutely delighted to. Um, so part A, just to recap what part A is, what we're asking for is um, there's, there's three main categories, I guess. Um, and what we class these are, they class as inescapable costs. So they're unavoidable. You can't, it's not just about the property price itself. It's the costs that come with that property, which you really cannot avoid paying. So the first and foremost um, for part A is, is going to be the price, the asking price. And obviously this does cover lettings as well. So for the letting side, we are looking at, you know, what the security, uh, what the rent is. Um, and then the information associated with rent would be, is there a security deposit and any holding deposit? Um, so that information is there as so well. So what's been the reaction uh, kind of out in the real world? It's been mm. over a year now. How, how mm. do you think that's going? Um, actually, the take up has been quite good. We do have regular meetings, as I say, with the steering group and the portals, the four main portals are part of that. And we have regular updates on take up. Um, and, um, you know, prices is not something which is going to be new to an agent. I mean, that is fundamental. The interesting thing that came out of this work is that we had a look to see, well, is price on application actually um, compliant with CPRs? and um, 
no, our, our feeling on that is is no. We had um, legal opinion on that. Um, so that is no longer an option for portals. So agents can no longer say POA and the portals have removed that as an option. So that's that's fundamentally fantastic for me. Then, you know, I think the portals are saying that there's been no real change in that. The fact is prices are always going to be consistent now. Yeah, I mean, clearly the good agents, probably most of them were, were providing most of the Part A information anyway. I mean, I, I yes. remember quite often getting the odd memorandum of sale where some mm -hmm. basic information was missing. And obviously we also had the change where EPC ratings yes. needed to be included. That's been pretty well policed and nobody really bats an eyelid about that mm. side of things. Um, mm. You've gone way, way further with parts B and C though, haven't you? Tell, tell us a bit about yes. those, please. I mean, um, parts B and C, um, they were a real labour of love, I guess, for discussions around the student group. And we did have some very, um, how can I put it, um, testing conversations. But parts, part B is, is like part A in a way because it does apply to all properties and part B is looking at things like, for example, um, we're going to have, uh, and this is not going to be new to people really, um, it's, it's, it's looking at information which is going to involve some sort of cost of maintenance, I guess, or, or repair, it could affect mortgage availability or the, or the availability of an insurance product. Um, and sometimes even the enjoyment of the prop property itself. So that's why we've included these following categories in, in part B. So um, the first one that we have, um, we're looking at physical characteristics of the property. So this is not going to be anything new. So, for example, is it semi-detached or detached? Um, you know, things that agents are already used to putting in listings. But we are then also asking that if they are aware of a known issue impacting that property um, regarding the construction or any materials used in the construction, we're then actually saying, well, it, could you actually also put that into the um, property listing information itself? So, so that's things an interesting like one. Um, yes. Uh, materials used in the construction. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of consumers would probably say, I haven't got a clue. What, what do you mm -hmm. mean? How are they meant to deal with that? Well, thankfully, um, you've asked that question because we've actually produced a quick guide for um, buyers and tenants and a quick guide for sellers and landlords. So this actually does go into some information as to about why this is important to them. Mm. Um, and the, the, the examples that we've used are things like a thatched roof. Or is it a prefabricated building, for example? Um, the, the list is not exhaustive. Um, we could not actually think of every possible scenario, um, and, and, and nor should we, because buildings are unique. Um, so, so we've given some examples, and again, you know, the fact that there is potentially a thatched roof, I mean, that again, there's involving some sort of maintenance costs, and it can impact the um, insurance costs of, of, of insuring that property. So, so we have got some guides ready for landlords and for sellers and for buyers and for tenants, and we are working with the um, all the portals uh, to try and get some consistent wording um, for what we class as tooltips. So, if a if a consumer was happened to look at any of the information when the categories are available, and they're wondering, well, what does that mean? If they hover over the the information icon. Um, it will just sort of give them that information because, again, it's trying to drip drip the educational impact 
um, so that people start to learn about why this information is important for them. Before we get into more of the detail about how the mm -hmm. information is collated and that side of things, I, I, yeah. uh, being a lawyer, I can't resist playing devil's advocate a bit. Um, what what about those people, um, and Kate, you may want to jump in on this as well, who say, do you know what, and I'm one of them, I remember HIPS um, just didn't work. It was a great idea then, it's a great idea now, but the reality is, um, what were the standard reasons that people talk about HIPS not, not working? You put the information together up front and then it becomes out of date. So all you're doing is you're adding two lots of costs in for sellers um, and people are suspicious of each other. So they won't necessarily accept the pack prepared by somebody else. What, are, what about those, those old arguments? Well, I, I don't think it's hips coming in through the back door. It really does annoy me when people describe it like that because it's it, and you love to have an argument, don't you, Jeremy? Um, so <laughs> it's one of those things that um, I just think it's not really. And to be honest with you, I think hips was a good idea for what it was worth. It just didn't have enough time to bed in and to be really given the chance to be the success it could have been, to be honest. Um, but this is definitely not hips. Um, and the information, I mean, you put a pack together, that's absolutely fine. But this is actually at the point of marketing, of listing. And this is actually going to people's attention even before they get to even see a pack, for example. I mean, um, I, so do, it's definitely I do not like an argument and I do you like do. playing devil's advocate. <laughs> but if you're putting a pack together and, and part C uh, or sorry, part B includes a local search, is that not going to then potentially mean that the search will be out of date and you have to pay for it again so but what in what, in what way would you say costs? a local search for part b what what would you class that would be requiring a local search for part b are you not expecting people to include searches um for example flood risk that kind of thing well flood risk you can i mean we've got lots of useful signposting in the guidance um and you can actually you know see agents can use that facility consumers themselves can can see that um facility and it's it doesn't cost you anything and I think that has to be a really, really good starting point. But I think we've been very clear um, in the guidance and our messaging is that, you know, agents can actually encourage their client to engage with a conveyancer and a su surveyor themselves directly, or they can offer that as a service um, themselves. But I mean, there's fantastic innovation going on at the moment. There are lots of people joining up forces, improving, you know, software. I mean, even the home buying and selling group, you know, the technical group, we've put together um, this fantastic data schema. Um, I mean, there's lots of innovative stuff going on at the moment, which is purely driven to help the agent obtain this information. And it's going to be validated information. Sure. I think that's I think that's really important, actually. So when we looked at HIPS and we did, we looked at what and, and in actual fact, Emma's right, they, the HIPS didn't fail. HIPS became a political football and that's why they were got rid of. That was the problem um, in, in my view. And I followed them very closely and did a lot of work on them. But one of the we we looked at what 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 was it people didn't like about HIPS and what were the problems with it? And one of the problems with it was it wasn't an industry born idea. Um, and there wasn't anywhere near the collaboration that Emma and her team have put in with all the right people. Um, and that that 
that's number one difference. Um, and the second difference is, as Emma was alluding to there, one of the problems with with the hips was be, they were kind of price driven um, in terms of getting the the paying as little as possible to get to tick boxes. And that's one of the things that we've understood. And that's one of the things with all the work we're doing on digitizing property data. Actually, we're going the opposite way with that. We are trying to get the very best data out there that can be trusted from lender through to uh, removal company. And that helps with the sharing of information, which is another problem. So will I will I accept the other sides with this information to the other side? And I find that fascinating because we all drive cars. And we're all perfectly happy for somebody that was trained for six weeks, I think it is, to accept an MOT from somebody that we don't know who had six weeks training and might be 17 or 18. But we don't think that information collated by true professionals who spent years and years like surveyors, um, for example, or legal companies is acceptable. So that's one of the thing that's one of the big, big things that we're changing is that the information that's provided, it comes from good data sources and everybody can trust it. And that has all come down to collaboration and listening. And trading standards should be seriously praised for the amount of work uh, that they've done and for all of the uh, people that they've spoken to uh, with about this from the start. It's an interesting point and there's a lot of credit due to them. I wonder whether it's clear to everybody in the industry that a massive revolution is taking place in the way that we buy and sell and let homes because what we're really talking about is the death of the kind of old idea of buyer beware and we're saying if there's any any material information effectively of any sort that needs to be collated um, and presented to potential buyers from day one. It's a huge change really, isn't it? Yeah, it's massively, yeah. Yeah, but it's also yeah. much needed and it's what will help not just with my consumer hat on, it won't just help consumers, it will massively help the industry. And on as well as all the material information, of course, we have the BASPI, which is the buying and selling property information. That's identified by talking to everybody, lender through to removal company in the industry, 220 questions that potentially could be asked. We also review that every single year. So, of course, building safety, the material information is updating that. Um, and then on top of that, what we want to make this work, we have to be able to press a button and all of the answers to those 220 questions as best we can need to be filled, but they need to be filled with data that can be trusted. And the work that's been done on that is as big as and as careful as it was done for open banking. So the, the two of you are, are revolutionaries, changing the way that we buy and sell residential property and let it. And uh, I think you've explained really well why it's necessary how it's going to benefit people and the kind of mischiefs uh, to a certain extent that it's going to stop. What are going to be the teething issues with this? What What are we looking at over the next, I don't know, six months, 12 months, three years? There's a couple of factors, I think, actually, and, and it, they're not really to be unexpected. They're not a surprise. I think what what I'm thinking is there's, there's, there's a few things. First and foremost is going agents um, to play ball. You've got a lot of agents who are already trying to do it. Um, you've got some agents who are apprehensive about doing it. Um, and that goes hand in hand, I think, with what Kate touched on earlier. And it's a big passion of mine also is this consumer education. I think 
with consumers starting to understand the importance of it, because let's be honest, they don't know it's important at the moment um, until it does become important. And that's probably because they've lost a lot of money or they've lost the house that they've really fallen in love with. And I think as soon as they start to become more aware of why, why they should have this information, they're going to start asking questions. And it's a case of agents not having this attitude to say, well, if I can't beat them, I may as well join them. What they need to think is, well, I'm not going to beat them. I'm just going to be better than them. And the consumer will then start thinking, well, who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust the agent that says, I want to actually do the right thing by you? This is why I'm asking you these questions. And that's why we've done the quick guide so that the agents can give those to the consumers to say, we're not being awkward. This is what we need to do. This is how I'm going to do it for you and do the best that I can for you and use some information. And then the consumer will say, well, who am I going to trust? The person actually wants to invest all this time and effort with me or a person down the road who's just saying, don't worry about that. I'll get it on tomorrow for you. Well, who's going to be doing right by them? That's 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 one of the fundamentals. The other, I think, the teething issue is obviously trying to get all the data sets embedded in all the software that lots of agents use. I mean, there's lots of CRM companies, lots of software companies who have yet to make these changes. Um, and quite rightly so, they've only just found out about them. But the portals are really trying very hard to engage with these companies and it's becoming quite difficult. We don't know why. But the engagement between the CRM client and the portal is not as we would have liked it to be. Um, so we are looking to try and improve that. But I know that the portals are working incredibly hard in the background, already working on BNC, and they will start to have those categories. And as soon as they start appearing, if there's no information, it will continue to be as it already is at the moment. Ask agent, ask agent, ask agent. It's an interesting one, and, and actually you preempted what was going to be my next question as to how the portals are reacting to this. I mean, Kate, have you had any feedback from within the industry that, that kind of gives you a sense of where this is going? Is, is Emma going to have to get the big stick out, or is it going to evolve and, and happen as people go, well, we do need to do this sort of over a, a longer time? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think uh, uh, Emma is extraordinarily patient. Uh, and I don't feel that level of patience. Property portals make a lot of money. And I remember the days where they wanted to, we were going to have property portals because they were going to take away the monopoly of the papers. Do you remember that one? And they, I think they should just really do this. And I think the CRM systems should be getting on with it. And I am astonished that this is coming out from trading standards and they haven't done more. The good news, good news is, is there are other organisations that have actually listened. This has been going on for three years. We've all known about it. It's not been a big secret sure. and they should have been more prepared for this. There's, so there's I wanted to see a lot a more effort. Or, or an agency here. So I, I guess I ought to stand up for them uh, a bit too. I mean, Emma, my understanding is that there's quite a lot of, of heavy financial investment that has yes. gone in by yes. the portals it's not that easy i mean you know for example if you if you need to disclose planning documentation listed building stuff and you've got to type it into a box on a portal that's quite difficult in practical terms you know you're talking about moving the oil tanker of the conveyancing industry which has become very used to doing things in a particular way and I think I, I agree with Kate, you've done everything possible to publicise this, to tell people. 
are you not just going to have to get to a point where you say we are going to start enforcing this now we're going to get the stick out if it's going to happen well the the key message is enforcement's always been a possibility since 2008 i mean this is yeah. just given some consistency and clarity and they have been prosecutions under the regulations since 2008. Um, I think for the portals, I know for a fact that they are competitors and I'm not going to disclose what each stage each of them are at. It's not my place to do so. And I would never even um, consider breaching any of their confidences. But of course. they are working very hard. They're investing a lot. And I mean a lot of money. But changes require testing. And, you know, they need to make sure that the, the consumer interface is actually acceptable. Is it is it consumer friendly, for example, because they're investing a lot of time. So they'll do their back backroom work, for want of a better word, test it. And then once it's all good to go, then it then becomes, you know, front ended. So I, and I know that they're doing that. I know they're doing that. So what about the other counter argument, um, which is people aren't interested? They're just not gonna. They're just not gonna read all of that stuff, or they're gonna go understand it. Um, I mean, one of the problems that conveyances often have is that we produce marvelous long reports, and we know that our clients don't read them. But that's because it's at offer stage, and I have done huge amounts of work over this over a long, long time in terms of how to reach people and how to educate them. The time. When they've made that offer and that offer's been accepted, all they care about is does my sofa fit in? What colour are my walls? And what and that's why. So if you're a surveyor, the thing that I find incredible, you after your offer's been accepted, you send in your surveyor and they find out some huge problems with it. And what does the consumer do? I hate them. That horrible surveyor. And what does the agent do? That horrible surveyor. And the buyer, that horrible surveyor. That surveyor is doing exactly the job they should have done. So we have a complete weird reaction. So the best time to get to people to explain this to them is before they put their property on the market. And from a legal perspective, and for surveyors and agents as well, there are loads and loads of local things. Your the BNIs, the breakfast meetings, there's all these local meetings where you can now start drip feeding in. Before you put your property on the sale, folks, big news. You've got to if have I all can this interrupt, though, I think that's a that's a really good point. But we're not saying surveys are part of the upfront information, are we? We're not saying you will know when you make an offer that your roof needs fixing or or something along those lines, unless there's there's something already known to the seller. So not, maybe we're not, not going far enough. Well, not with this, but we put out our discussion paper a few months ago on all the changes that we want to make that we think will improve the home buying and selling process. And I described it the other day. I have this massive, we have this massive jigsaw in front of us. This is a huge piece of it. But one of the other things that is now being looked at or has been looked at for a little while is pre-marketing surveys. And if you think about it, there's, uh, everybody goes, oh, we tried that before. That didn't work. But it works on the letting side because you have to have them. And one of the things we haven't bridged well enough is what's required for lettings and what's required for buying and selling. And this is part of the part of the conversations that, that we have to have. And by having this, it allows us that education route now. 
you say there's no surveys, but you need to know the construction. You need to know the parking. You need to know about building safety. So actually, there are elements in there. And again, some will say, oh, but agents aren't surveyors. No, but they are already dealing with 400 rules and regulations. Quite a lot of those when you let a property is the health and safety of that property. So for me, this is part of it. And it's going to take us years to get some years to get this right. But we we've got to do it a step at a time. We can't introduce all those changes in one go. Absolutely. So the revolution is underway. There are a lot more things, significant things to come as well. But we are now in a scenario where this first part of the revolution is going to be bedding in. We've talked a lot about agents. And if you look at the statement from Trading Standards, it's clear that this is aimed firstly at agents. But within the legal industry, a lot of people are saying, well, the agents can't find all of that information out lawyers or conveyances are going to have to get involved. There doesn't seem to have been an established model for charging for that, for who picks up the costs and when. What are we expecting to see on that, do you think? To be honest, I mean, how how you have your competitive pricing, how you, you, you decide to um, absorb anything is entirely a commercial decision. It's not for trading standards to dictate um, how somebody charges for a particular thing or what they charge. What we say sure. is, as long as you're transparent about it and you are very clear as to what is included in that price, that that is for the agent or the entity themselves. It's a commercial decision. No, that's understood, Emma, and I, and, and I wouldn't put that at the door of trading standards for for those obvious reasons. Mm. But, Kate, it's a practical issue, isn't it? This, uh, this Absolutely. revolution is underway, but people are unsure of how to respond to it within a lot of firms. There will be people offering commercial solutions. Those will be good and bad, um, accessible, not accessible, properly priced, not properly priced. But we're at a point where it's really got to evolve, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it is. And one of the things that we're recognising on the Home Buying and Selling Group is that we have to change the way we do things. And one of the things we're going to have to do is help people understand how do you implement something like that? What are the options? And there are some amazing case studies out there. We've got agents that are very happy um, that they've got the resources and the time to do this themselves. And partly that's because trading standards have given lots of information about where to find this data. You've got uh, some new digital solutions already where you literally you press a button and it all falls into your inbox. Absolutely amazing stuff that's been done. You've then got um, some incredible work between agents and legal companies who have sat down and completely re-engineered the buying and selling process between them. I mean, and we've got some super case studies and the amount of time it saved everybody in some cases has been so much that the legal company said, actually, we don't need to charge because we're saving so much throughout the process. And then we've also got, again, things like property logbooks that are out there and property legal packs that you can purchase. So there are there are different ways of doing this. And Emma's right. It's it would be wrong of us to go. And here's the one way you deliver it. And it's going to cost 300 pounds. What we've got to do is let the market find its way with this. And there are plenty of options there. There are plenty of case studies where this can already be delivered. And it's no no different to um, other services that you might have to know different to how you do searches. Everybody 
buy searches in legal companies in different ways. That's a commercial choice you make. And it's the same with this. It's no different. There's a big bad world out there, a revolution underway. The market is going to bring in changes. It's going to evolve. The King's Speech very recent, the most recent King's Speech um, included legislation, proposed legislation for leasehold and freehold reform. Also, I think £3 million was announced for improving the home buying and, and selling process. Emma, maybe you kick-started the revolution. Um, trading standards will be keeping a BDI, no doubt, uh, on how this beds in, who's being good, who's not. Kate, give us some predictions for, for how this is going to evolve. Well, I, I think it is super exciting. Um, this is not an easy industry to work in. Uh, and for anybody that's a practitioner, it is a really, really hard job. And the good news is that there's lots of things happening. And although everything I drive is through the group is with a consumer hat on first, the good news when you're doing business day in to day out, the more you make things easier for the consumer, do you know what? You make it better for the industry. Uh, and that's worked in lots of industries, not worked so well in ours. So particularly on uh, the leasehold and freehold reform, it is going to make it much easier for homeowners to extend leases or buy a freehold. Um, and therefore, just like um, POA, the, the price and application is disappearing. Hopefully all the issues that we have where leaseholds are uh, can only be sold to a cash buyer, for example, and it will take a long, long time. So um, uh, whether where, how many of us will be here at the end of that, I don't know. It's not going to happen overnight, but you have to start somewhere. Uh, and already uh, lots of new builds now have to have leases with 999, 990 years and indeed zero ground rents. Look at the amount of work that would take away from everybody. Um, and certainly that's happening with help to buy uh, properties that have been built and shared ownership new builds. Um, and it should also reduce the cost uh, of buying and selling um, because there's going to be a, a, a maximum time of how long it takes to get packs back and indeed a, a cap on the charges made. So it's good. It's just the frustration for all of us of how long this is going to take. But you've got to start somewhere. Well, well Kate, you, you've made a massive start already with what Home Buyers and Sellers Group is, is doing. Um, it, it sounds like you're not going to be bored in 2024. Uh, <laughs> always plenty on your plate. Uh, Emma, any final thoughts from you? I, I'm just really excited. I think I'm really relieved that it's actually been announced our work. Um, and I'm very pleased on the whole of, of the take up of how it's been received. It's been fantastic, really. Um, and I think some people think, is it really affecting lettings? Well, tenants are consumers as well. Um, there's no distinction in the legislation to say um, the material information is only for a buyer. Um, it, it doesn't have that distinction and tenants deserve protection just as much as a buyer, just because the amount of money, you know, in, in exchange for a property sale is different to a, a, a rent. It doesn't lessen the fact that they all deserve to have the same information. And I think if anybody's thinking, really, should I worry about this? Should I really bother? I would say, yes, you do need to worry about it. Um, enforcement um, is happening already um, and it will continue to happen. And enforcement can take, you know, many different forms. It's not just prosecution. Um, so so local trading standards will will do a lot of of um, the the investigations, but let's not forget the importance of the two fantastic redress schemes that we have in the UK at the moment. 
and they yeah, they're already dealing point, with actually. these they are dealing yeah. with material information issues day in day out and they are fantastic at what they do and they're already um geared up to 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 look specifically for for these types of things and let's not just forget you know yes we could take prosecutions at nts but you know what we have in our toolkit which other people don't is that we can actually issue warning orders and banning orders against individuals and consumers uh, individuals and companies sorry um for breaches of cprs that is one of the trigger offenses in our toolkit under the state agents act so um i think if agents were thinking i'm really not going to worry i'm just going to try and see how i go nobody's going to catch me I think you need to be very concerned because, as I say, when consumers start to become educated and we are encouraging them to report instances, we will eventually catch up with you. Um, and it's not worth it because your reputation is very, very difficult to get back. You work incredibly hard. You're very good at what you do. You work incredibly hard to get a reputation and you can lose it in literally 10 seconds. And it, it could take you years to get that back. And I think if people start thinking, but really, is it important? I always try and come back to buying a car. If you go into a showroom and the instance, this scenario, for example, you say to the salesperson, um, how many miles to the gallon does this car do? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know, mate. Can't tell you. Um, well, um, well, what about, you know, if this is, is, is this, you know, what information is this? Um, how much is it going to cost me, do you think, to do X, Y and Z to this car? Don't know. Don't know. Can't tell you, I'm afraid. All right. OK. Um, I mean, why? Why? That doesn't happen. That does not happen. The salesperson knows the ins and outs of that car. They know the information about it to sell that car. So why can't an agent think like that for a house? I think you'll find the whole industry feels that uh, they don't want to be compared unfavorably to people selling cars. Um, but I do. Yes, also I, I don't think, mean to upset anybody, also, but that's no, no, the only that's analogy fine. I can and, use, really, uh, because no, you know it, it's a good analogy, and and it's often striking to us how much more care and attention people take when buying a car as compared to uh, buying their home. Yeah. Uh, so we're all in favour of that. Kate, uh, just a couple of last words from you. Sure. Um, one of the things I would say on that is one of the reasons for people taking care of buying a car is because of the media and the natural education that they put out every day about how to buy a car and different cars and comparing cars. And that's the job that we have to do next is we have to get people to do this. We have to get the media on board with helping us to educate consumers. Um, but I think actually one of the things we're rubbish at in our industry is saying thank you to people. Um, we chuck a lot of stones at each other and um, I, it's a bit I don't like about it. But so for me, I just really wanted to say thank you to Emma and the team for all the amazing hard work and particularly the collaboration, because this is for me the start of the revolution of changing the buying and selling process. And also we have a huge number of legal practitioners that have given incredible amounts of support in the home buying selling group including yourselves and i just wanted to say thanks to all of them because the time and effort that people have put in is priceless um and we we can't do this without you um and you are being heard and uh we, we're gonna we're gonna get this done i think i think that's a great note to end on i'd like to say a big thank you to my two revolutionaries uh, I agree, you have started a revolution. Uh, it's got a long way to go, in my view. And yes. your point about us needing a really good media campaign is also 
key uh, because unfortunately a lot of people that move house or go into lettings just haven't had the education on how this all works what it means how they can evaluate things and it's really important it's vital to us as lawyers uh, that our clients are well educated and that they do understand what they've entered into so thank you again to my two revolutionaries that's it for today thank you for listening to the Erwin Mitchell podcast If you found it interesting, please make sure you follow our channel and join us for our next episode.